Actually, the cleverness will end this week because this is our last week on the Manger Things series, looking at some of the different characters in the Nativity. The theme we've kind of been hitting on um, for the last few weeks is just looking at the different characters we have in our traditional Nativity scene. You know, we've got Jesus there and then Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and, and all of that sort of stuff, a few farm animals thrown in. And we're kind of looking at those different characters, and some of the characters just don't seem to really fit. You know, when you really look at it and you kind of dig in a bit, it just seems a bit strange for that scene to be playing out the way it did. We looked at baby Jesus the first week. He doesn't really seem to fit. He's the, you know, the, the king of the world, the, you know, he's king of kings, and he's the creator of everything, and yet there is this surprising weakness and vulnerability to his birth scene and then but we realize that through that god is showing his ultimate power he shows his power through weakness and then um, last week we had a look at the shepherds and how they were surprisingly unimportant to be given this message that you know the king is born and that the savior has come and are the first people to hear about it and to go and visit but then we we kind of looked into it a little bit more and we realized that that's the way god works that he uses the unimportant in our eyes to show that everyone is important in his eyes and that it is open for everybody. So this week we're looking at the surprising foreignness, if that's a word, the surprising foreignness of the three wise men or the three magi or the three kings. You often hear three kings, you know, we three kings from Orient are. Well, they're not kings at all as far as we know, so that one's a little bit off but that's okay so we've got these three wise men and that that's kind of part of this nativity scene too but unlike the shepherds and jesus the wise men actually don't belong in the nativity scene so we kind of have our nativity scene that this is the night of jesus birth and all of these people came and visited but if we do a little bit of historical mathematics which everybody loves doing uh, you find out that the wise men probably didn't turn up until a year, maybe a year and a half, two years after the birth of Jesus. So they're a little late to the nativity scene uh, with their gifts. So that's a little bit unfortunate for our nativity scene. So I guess the question is, do we need to get rid of them? Do we, do we ditch all of the wise men from our nativities? Mom's got a lot of work to get rid of the wise men out of 104 nativity scenes that she has in her house. Well, no, we, we will let the wise men stay, and not because they brought nice presents, you know, but because despite the historical inaccuracies of having the wise men there on the night of Jesus' birth, their story is a very important part of the nativity story. They are a vital part of what God is trying to explain and what he is trying to express to us in the story of Jesus. So we're going to have a look at the Magi, the wise men today. But before we do that, and before we have a look at why it is weird that there are wise men visiting Jesus, we need to rewind the tape almost all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Okay, so we're going to go back to the book of Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible. And it's part of this story of this foundational story for the people of God. They've been rescued from slavery in Egypt. And they get pulled out of Egypt and God gathers them at the bottom of a mountain and he basically makes them into a nation. Uh, we've talked about this passage a, few, uh, a couple of months ago, I think. 
But I want you to, to listen to the language that God uses when he creates this new nation. All right? And this is, listen to what he says. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. He says, You yourselves, talking to these people, have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, now watch this, you shall be my own possession among all of the peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, now this is important language, because what he is saying is he owns all of the nations of the world, right? Everybody who exists, he owns them, he made them. You know, it's like when you make Lego, you get to keep it, right? So he owns, and, and we are all his possession, but he chose this very special group of people, okay? The, the Israelite nation, the Jews, as they're going to be known. He chose these people in order to fulfill his promises and to do his work through them. They are a special possession to God, right? This is the language that comes through. They are the ones God has chosen. They are special. Everything that God did throughout the Bible, or most of the stuff that we hear about, was done through Israel. The friends of Israel are friends of God. The enemies of Israel are enemies of God. There is a connection between the two that other nations simply didn't have. Okay, If you wanted to get right with God, you had to join this nation. You had to become part of the Jewish nation. Okay, Right. So, unfortunately, throughout the generations after this time, the Jews kind of let a little bit of this go to their head. They kind of got this sort of egotistical view of themselves, that they are these special people and they can do no wrong, and everyone else is horrible people, and they have to come and join us if they want to get to God, because we're the special people of God. We're the chosen nation. And so when prophecies started popping up, about this hero that God was going to raise up, this Messiah, this chosen one, the one we now know as Jesus. He, he, there's all of these different predictions and prophecies about who this person would be. And everyone had these grand expectations about how this would all happen within the confines of Judaism. Okay, so this would happen within the Jews because Jews are God's special people. This is a special thing that was happening. Go Jews. So in their minds, this story of the birth of Jesus should, should be a thoroughly and completely Jewish story. All right, tracking so far, this makes sense. And mostly it is. Mary and Joseph, Jewish, check. Shepherds, Jews, check. Um, baby Jesus, Jew, check. All right, so we're going really well. In fact, most the only non-Jews in the story up until this point are the Roman officials who forced this pregnant Mary to go to Bethlehem and to have this baby far from home in a manger. So the only non-Jews in the story are really presented as the enemies. They're the ones trying to stop what's going on, right? So Jews good, everyone else bad. Everything is playing out as expected. So far, so Jewish. But then these magi turn up. These three wise men turn up from the east and they spoil everything. I want to have a listen to the story. I'm going to read the story of the Magi as it is um, told in the Bible. But I want you to keep an ear and eye open for the way that the Jews and the non-Jews in this story are portrayed. 
because this becomes very important. All right, so Matthew chapter 2, from the beginning of the chapter, it says it this way. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. That's, that's it. That's all we get about the birth of Jesus in Matthew. <laughs> very simple statement. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. That's one of these prophecies. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. (laughs) He's not. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Okay, so as you read that story, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Don't be afraid. Who's the good guys? Dylan? The wise men, yeah, because in this story, we don't hear much about Mary and Joseph, do we? We're just hearing about the wise men. Wise men are the good guys, right? Who are the bad guys? Herod. Herod's the bad guy. What's the problem with this? Herod's a Jew. And the wise men are not. So all of the Jewish purists, the ones who are looking for an all-Jew cast of good guys, they're not loving this part of the story. Because in this part of the story, the roles have been reversed, haven't they? On one hand, you've got a group of non-Jews, likely from Babylon. In fact, you've got a picture up on the... A map show you where they came from. They come from far away from Babylon, mostly. We don't know for sure, but it seems likely where they're from. And Babylon is historically an enemy of Israel. That's where they were taken exile. So Babylon's not a name that people like to say. It is the place that we dare not say. And so they've come to worship this baby boy because they recognize what this baby is. They recognize his status as deity. On the other hand, you've got a Jewish king who is surrounded by Jewish scholars and religious leaders who, by the way, recognize that this is the Messiah because he asks, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they answer in Bethlehem. But instead of going themselves to try and worship this baby, you don't see any of those people doing that. It's not just Herod, but all of the scribes, all the religious leaders, all of the people who should know better, they stay where they are, And instead, they plot to kill the baby. 
And so you've got this role reversal. A, a comparison of verse 3 and verse 10 is actually quite telling because we see the different reactions. If you want to pop that one up there, Dad. Yep. So King Herod, when he heard about baby Jesus, was deeply disturbed. That's possibly even an understatement from the original language. Very disturbed when he heard this. Why? Why would he be disturbed by this? He's burdened. Yeah. Here is a king of the Jews. Well, he's supposed to be the king of the Jews. It's actually kind of a similar situation to the Lord of the Rings. You remember Aragon is like the, the guy who's supposed to be the king, and then the steward was supposed to only hold the throne until Aragon came along, right? Yeah. This is a situation. Herod was designed, his role was designed to hold the throne until the true king of the Jews came. He should have said, king of the Jews, I'm so glad you're here. Here is my throne. Jesus didn't really want to take it anyway, but that's not the point. The point is his attitude should have been, oh good, the real true king is here. Instead, he's like, no, 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 we're going to kill this kid. I'm the king. And then the Magi, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. It's an incredible changing of, the, of this, the roles that we were expecting. So you've got educated Jewish men completely fumbling the situation and getting shown up by these foreign astrologers, by the way, which is a very non-biblical way of finding truth, of searching the stars instead of searching God. They were pagans. They weren't believers necessarily until maybe they came across this Jesus. It's not a great look for Israel as a nation. So why do you think God played it out this way? Because we've been asking this question of all of these different characters who don't seem to fit the story. Why is God putting them in here? So I wanted to open this up a little bit to, to see what you guys think. Why bring in these astrologers and priests from foreign religions and foreign nations? Why embarrass his own special people? Anyone have any ideas, thoughts? Why do you think this story plays out this way? Why not bring some wise men from Israel? Sorry. Yeah. Okay, so we're seeing this story start to play out here that Jesus is not just for the Jews, which wouldn't have made sense to all of these Jewish purists because we're the special people of God, right? We're the holy nation. We're the ones chosen. Don't you remember Exodus 19, God? You said we were the special ones. Except they probably forgot a little something. Exodus 19 comes after Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, God begins his story by talking to one man, Abraham, who was going to become the leader, the father of the Jewish nation. This is what he says to him. I will make you a great nation, the Jews. I will bless you and make you famous. He's famous. We know him. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. This is kind of what we were talking about with the Jews, right? This, this makes sense. But then he adds this extra little bit on the end. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is what they forgot. The whole point of choosing the Jewish nation was not for the Jewish nation. It was for everyone. They were the ones through whom God would bring and reconcile the entire world back to him. I think maybe 
many of the Jews forgot this at that time, which is why so many of them struggled with this Jesus, why so many of them struggled with the way that he treated those who they thought shouldn't be treated well. Why there are wise men from Babylon. Why in the next part of the story, Jesus has to flee from the Jewish king who's trying to kill him, and he flees where? Egypt, another common enemy. And he blesses them there. And he's doing this to show that there is a story at play here, that it is not just about this group of people, but it is about a wider group that this group will help bring in. Does that make sense? Tracking a little bit? Good. Okay. Because this is a very important thing for us to remember today. Why do we need to remember this? We're all Gentiles, right? None of us are Jews. Is there any Jews in here? I, I, I shouldn't assume, but no, no sort of, you know, Jews from biological descent from Israel here. So we're all Gentiles. So why do we need to learn the story of the Magi? We already got it, right? I want to tell you a story about myself because I love telling stories about myself. Who doesn't, right? I grew up in a, in a wonderful Christian family. My parents are in church with me today. They're part of our church family, and I grew up in a very strong Christian environment. How many of you grew up in strong Christian environments? Yeah, quite a few of you. Okay, that's good. I'm so glad my son put his hand up. That's good. My grandparents were all Christian far as I know, right, most, for the most part. They grew up in strong Christian families. In fact, if I look back, and I shared my papa, my spiritual genealogy with you guys a few months ago, and I can look back, and generation by generation by generation had strong spiritual heritage. So I have this lineage of faith, much like the Jews do, actually. The Jews had this lineage of faith that their faith was passed down from generation to generation to generation. They all grew up with it. So in Jesus' time, it's not like they were all sort of had a conversion experience into Judaism growing up. They all grew up, most of them did anyway, grew up in Jewish families. Well, it had its advantages, didn't it? Because you knew from a young age what was right and wrong, and you knew how to follow God and all of that sort of stuff. And I've had similar experiences. I've managed to to avoid certain bad habits in my life. I've, I've managed to pick up a few good habits in my life because that's the benefit of being involved in, in a spiritual heritage and trying to follow him all the days of your life. I've made plenty of mistakes along the way too. So there is this, and you may have picked this up if you have grown up in a Christian family and you have a strong Christian heritage. Sometimes you get this impression a little bit that it's a bit us and them. Do you ever get that impression? Do you ever get that feeling? You know, like, I deserve to be in God's good graces because I've lived my whole life in the church. You know, I've been a Christian my whole life. I kind of I've built up this sort of deservingness. And I think a lot of times we have this idea that we've kind of earned our way into the kingdom through our lineage. We need to remember the story of the Magi. We need to remember the story of Jesus reaching far beyond the lineage of those who had grown up in the faith. To remember that his story is for everyone. His story is for everyone. I can't look down on anybody 
because I grew up in faith and maybe my life has, I've made some good decisions along in my life, maybe. I can't look down on people who haven't because faith is for everyone, right? Faith is for all people. Whether we have done well, whether we have made many mistakes, whether we have found ourselves in situations that seem dire to the world around us. I can't decide who deserves and who doesn't. That's the mistake the Jews made. They kind of had this, we are the chosen ones mentality. And we forgot that God is blessing the whole world through us, right? Through the church, through the families who have grown up in faith. He wants to bless the world through us. So we need to have this kind of, it's almost like this humility thing that comes on, which the shepherds showed us as well, that we cannot be like, I'm doing great. But rather, where can the grace be given? Right? The other flip side to that coin is the, the, the story we often tell ourselves. And that is, I'm too far away from God. Have we ever thought that? I've even thought that having grown up in, in faith, but I know my mistakes. I know the things that I've done wrong. I know the ways that I've rejected him in my life. And I think sometimes, man, I am just too far gone. I'm just, I'm just out of it. Or maybe you've, you've grown up outside of the church and you think, well, that's for church people. And, and I, I'm not, I don't fit in that environment. I don't know enough about the Bible. I've never read the Bible. I don't know enough about who these people are they keep talking about who's paul and who's peter and you know and i don't even really know who jesus is i've heard his name a couple of times but and i don't know enough so it's not for me i I don't belong if there's an entrance exam i'm going to fail it so i'm too far away and besides i've done some pretty bad things in my life god would never really want me god doesn't want me in his family he wants good people right do we know these narratives that go through our minds that go through the minds of the people we know, our friends and our family. But the story of the Magi, the story of these three wise men who came from the enemies of God, who came from a completely different way of thinking about religion, that came from a complete lack of knowledge about who God was. But they saw a sign and they followed that sign and they came and were accepted in. They came and they worshipped Jesus. It is a sign to all of us that no one is too far gone. No one is too far away from who he is and from his story of hope. So that's what the wise men, that's why they belong, I believe, in the story of the nativities. 